What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with David Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality, third-party tested supplements. If you have any questions about their flavors, hit me up. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Dave, it's been a minute. We missed two episodes. And I don't know what you're trying to do here, but I feel like this is turning into children's programming. What what am I looking at here exactly? Christmas cabbage. Honey's cousin. Angry cabbage. <laughs> I see. By the way, guys, we do have some bodybuilding content. We're going to apparently get to that in a minute because Dave's got a thing that he wants to do here. Uh, no thing I want to do. You. Everybody asked where Christmas cabbage was. And I said he'd gone away with Angry Cabbage's cousin. And this is the proof that Angry Cabbage actually exists. Have you ever heard the, the term jump the shark? Did we just well, jump the shark well, right now? What I didn't tell you is that... <laughs> Dave's been to the store. <laughs> Dave's been to the store. That's what Dave didn't tell you. Dave has not been on the program because he's been at the store shopping for plush stuffed animal toys uh to to play with on the show apparently christmas cabbage is not a toy <laughs> i think he's a dog toy actually i think that's a plush stuffed dog toy is what i think no if i'm honest this is the one i bought to try and replace it because i thought i'd lost him <laughs> and then you found the original <laughs> nice all right, so let's just right, bu bu bust right into it. Oh, no, before that, I had something I wanted to play for you. So we do have a topic today. We're going to discuss uh, synergy in steroids. Does one plus one equal three? But before that, there was something that stuck out to me because we haven't recorded it in like forever now. We've missed the useless. Arnold Classic. We've missed the Olympia. Like we missed everything in bodybuilding has happened since we've been gone. And Ronnie Coleman was given a Lifetime Achievement Award. Now, when he accepted it, he used an, an exceptionally interesting term. I wanted to run that by you. So here's the clip of it. Let's see. I can just hit this button here and this will resume. Let's see. Here. We were thinking you. All right, well, back in the day when Arnold did it, he didn't have the technology I had. What, what do you think he means by that? Let me roll that back one more time here, a little bit further. Why you say that? He says, uh, bodybuilder of all time. And I always say Arnold. And they say, uh, why you say that? We, we were thinking you. I'm like, well, back in the day when Arnold did it, he didn't have the technology I had. He got all that mass and class and size with pure hard work, dedication, in faith, me, I had a little, uh, I had a little technology behind me. <laughs> guys like him, guys. technology. That's the new. That's a, that's a new <laughs> word, isn't it? <laughs> that almost sounds like he's trying to say Arnold was natural. It's like, oh, I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for this. So I don't know if I should say it. Ooh, say it. Say it. Say it. Arnold was of his era. That I have, you know, there's no denying that, and he is probably the most successful bodybuilder of all time. Yeah, uh, there's no denying that. Is yeah. he the greatest? Personally, I don't think anywhere near. He 
He was the greatest of his time. He was what I they wanted. I question that. Yeah? You think, who, who do you think was better, Sergio? I think Sergio was potentially better, yeah. He yeah. wasn't marketed as heavily, you know. He was black at that yeah. time. It wasn't the thing, you know what I mean? It, was, yeah. it wasn't whether you want to accept it or not. You know, racism existed in, in, in all aspects of life back then. And, and, well, it still does now, but... Yeah, he wasn't marketable to the broader audience, or they didn't feel he was marketable to the broader audience. Arnold epitomized the American dream. Yeah, he did, didn't he? I, I mean, he, you know, he was he was pretty much marketed as the the sheep herder who didn't speak English, who came to the country and made fame and fortune and became massively famous and massively successful. And that is the epitome of the American dream. You know what he didn't have though? He didn't have the technology I had. They had exactly the same fucking drugs that we do now. Growth hormones, IGF-1, LR-3. Growth hormone, definitely. They didn't have growth hormone back then. That was like the 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 early the eighties, I believe, the late eighties, I believe that, no, that they started. When did they? No, yeah, the cadaver growth hormone. Yeah, they had they had growth hormone available. How much it was used or not, I don't know, but they definitely had it available. I think the cadaver growth didn't come out till later. You sure? Um, I don't know. I'll look it up. But you, you carry on. What, what, what is the rest of your? No, thought, no, okay. I'll, I'll look it up now. Just hang on a sec. Uh, just give me one second. Um, technology regarding drugs. I, I just don't think there was a great deal of difference. Yeah. Technology regarding supplementation and possibly nuances of diet. Yes, I could definitely see something there. Um, obviously, peptides and things like that. Fat loss agents have definitely developed. Um, what possibly has changed? Uh, majorly would be gym equipment. I think yeah. there's been a, a massive progression within gym equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think appetite's changed. Okay, so um, the first treatment of cadaver pituitary GH was 1958, so you're not wrong. Thank you. Thank you. But I don't think it was being used back then. I don't know yeah. when they started using it in bodybuilding. I don't know if we'll be able to find that because that's like when did people start a, a, a abusing illicit drugs, basically, you know? 1950s was when they first started really abusing illicit drugs. Well, no, they've done it for years, but that was when it became large scale. No, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking of growth hormone, not just all drugs. Yeah. We are doing a podcast here. You do realize that, right? Yeah, well, they can just fucking wait. Tell them to shut up. Okay, so on behalf uh, of Dave, Dave said that you can wait. He also added to shut up. So I just want to throw that out there. Who's the nice host and who's the not nice host? Three days later. It's 1979 with gaining popularity in 1985. So that's what I said, right? No. Yeah, I did. I said it was available. It was. You did. I guess we were both kind of right. (laughs) It was the, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Fair enough. So I I was technically wrong. Um, And I was technically wrong too. So there. No, not really. I mean, like you said, it didn't really enter the, it didn't really enter the forum in any great level to the eighties, but. I, I don't think I think gym definitely uh, nutrient timings yes. and things like that. Yes, they were like drinking a gallon of whole milk back then to grow muscle. You know, 
well, generally, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, bodybuilders weren't educated. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was, I mean, they went in, they trained hard, they ate good quality, heavy protein food, and they grew. And, and that, you know, took drugs as well, but, and that was the base of the knowledge where you get into the late 80s, into the early 90s, and we start seeing this, this boom in knowledge about foods and drugs macros and, and stuff like that and in technology I don't know. yeah um, i just thought that was a funny i thought it was a funny term to use technologies and he kind of has like a little let me just look at the look on his face let me see i'm going to pull this back up here look at the look on his face kind of has a little smirk also uh oh, watch this and i learned a lot from guys like him and guys that came Wait. before us dedication and faith me i had a little uh I had a little technology behind me. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Sorry. What? Phone. Oh, for fuck's sake. Laser? Ah. Laser? Laser's with us. I'm sure he's going to remind us how professional we are in a minute, just to let you know. I forgot about that phone, sorry. Uh, All right, let's get on with the program. We did have a question that came up, and I thought this would make an interesting topic. The idea of synergy. Let me pull this one up. He says, um, this is from, I can't even remember which episode because it's been a while. He says, hey, what's up, guys? Uh, thanks for the great channel. Um, I've read that T-Ball and VAR, so that's oral terinoval and anivar, are a combination of orals that have a one plus one equals three synergy. Would you guys say so as well? Uh, what other orals can be effectively stacked together to enhance their effect? So oral turnabal and anivar. Do those, first of all, have a synergy? No. Do any steroids have a synergy, Dave? We kind of talked about this a little bit off air, so I know his answer. Um, depend, right. So I don't believe any steroids interact with each other to form a greater combination of the two compounds. Coffee. I do, however, believe that the effects of the compounds can support each other. I agree with that. So wouldn't that so, be a synergy then? Well, no. Well, it's a synergy of action, I suppose, rather than a synergy of compound. Okay. You take, you know, you take Test and Decker. The two compounds don't merge to form Test Decker or, or De Decarosterone. You know what I mean? They don't form a third compound that's better at producing growth. Yeah. Let me grab the definition it, here. Just, so... But, I mean, for argument's sake, you take a stimulant in a fat loss period, that's going to increase calorific burn. Yeah. And then you take a fat, an agent that helps metabolize fat, and that's going to help provide the energy for the stimulant that is creating more calorific burn via the metabolism of fat. So there, there is a complementary action with those two drugs. Yeah. Yep. But they don't actually synergize with each other. But they, they offer supporting actions. Okay, synergy. 
the interaction or cooperation of two or more organization substances or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. So, yeah, see, is is there a greater impact? Yes. So what's that saying? If you take two compounds, right, so if you take one compound and you have its effect, right, yeah. and you take two compounds and you have their effects together, if they're synergistic, then the total effect when they are synergistic would be greater than the two compounds plus each other, which I don't believe is the case. Well, what I believe is the case is that compound has X amount of effect, that compound has X amount of effect, the two together have a total effect, which is the sum of both parts. I don't believe there's a magic that creates, in real world, particularly a much greater impact. Okay, so when I began running injectable steroids, I started with test only and test mm -hmm. DECA, or excuse me, test D-ball. I ran test DECA, I felt very shut down by that. Mm -hmm. And after that, I said, you know what? Screw this nonsense. Instead of running 500 test and 400 DECA, why don't I just run 500 test and 500 test? And that's what I did. And I got a lot worse side effects from that. Obviously, the test was, a, I got bad acne from that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I would say that that is a complementary effect, and I'm just kind of you know thinking this out as I talk here. I would call that a complementary effect of those two compounds allowing me to push the total dosage up higher in a positive way, getting much better results than I would have uh, if I had only taken one of them without dealing with the side effects of taking the same total dose of just one compound. Yeah, see, I, I, I get where you're going with that. I just view it differently in what we, we class as synergy. So to me, you've taken test yeah. or bananas. Yeah. And you've added grapes. Mango mangoes. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a flavor that you prefer over just bananas because just bananas is too flint too banana. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think you're right. I would agree with that. Um, whereas to me, the synergy has to be A plus B equals grapes. more than A plus B. Equals, equals something. A plus B plus C. Yeah. Yeah. Equals grapes. Uh, I, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's really the case. Um, I think compounds, I mean, definitely from a side management point of view, different compounds that people have a threshold with dose on certain compounds and they can negate that by keeping that compound. So for your your situation, the high DHT and the potential high estrogen from a gram of test was problematic in a side effect. So if you keep your test low, you can still bring your anabolic value up using another compound. Um, but I'm not so sure that that would be synergistic. I, I can see where you're coming from. So I do like the idea uh, that you're using with mixing fruits together. I think that that does work well. There is some, because you know what, I guess it depends on how you would define synergy. I would agree with yeah. you that we are not creating a magic that when you combine, say, uh, one of the most famous uh, off-season growth cycles is test deca D ball. And mm -hmm. 
I think that we can break that down and we can look at it and see how each of these compounds are working in their own unique way. And we can say that those drugs are complementary to one another. Does mm-hmm. test deca bomb create a fourth effect? No, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. But working them together does have some benefit over using just more of one of them. True Nutrition has supported our programming now for a number of years, and I'm super grateful for it because they believe in us and I believe in them. I'm sure you guys have heard of Dante Trudell. We talk about him on the shows. Uh, He had a vision of offering high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. They have a ton of different protein powders, just about every type you could think of, literally thousands of flavor combinations. Hit me up if you're interested in suggestions. They offer health supplements. I use their collagen and their fish oil. And of course, they offer performance supplements. You can get bulk EAA powder or beta alanine. You can also get finished products like the Mountain Dog Perry MD Intra Workout. If you shop with True Nutrition and you use our code THINK, you'll get some additional savings, you'll get high quality supplements, and you will support our programming. You can also help to support the shows through Patreon. I appreciate everybody who's made a contribution. You guys are helping to keep me pumping these podcasts out. I have links to everything in the description. Check them out. Let me know what you think, and let's get back to the program. All right, here we go. Dave should outline his coaching program, how he starts and improves physiques, and what metrics he uses for assessment. So I paid Jonathan to send this question in so I could promo my coaching. That's great. That was a a smart move, Dave. I know. Marketing is my forte, mate. What can I say? Hopefully you didn't pay Um, him that much, but... What I'm, I'm not going to, I think rather than putting it under the banner of coaching, let's just, what is my approach to making people grow? Um, I'm a big, big believer in training first. So I, I, I focus a lot on making training effective and efficient. And I do believe there is a big difference between training hard and training effectively. So I've true. Plenty Plenty of people bust their balls in the gym, give everything they got, but not actually creating any real direct stimulus on the the body part that they're trying to work. So I do that through programming. Uh, I'm not telling you any more than that. You can fuck off. Um, And then really once that's right, everything else sort of drops in place relatively easy. So true, dude. So... You know, I'm not particularly fancy with diets. I am a bit basic with diets, and I appreciate that that's not everybody's taste. Uh, Pick a protein source, pick a carb source, as long as it's clean. I work in weight of food. I don't like macros because when you start giving people macros, they start replacing them. Uh, And the bottom line is a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. They're not all the same. And, you know, food density and thermogenic properties of food play a part in keeping your metabolism healthy uh, and keeping your calorie intake as high as we possibly can. Um, But food, you know, diets are fairly basic. So there'll be a meat source, there'll be a carb source, and then there's some greens in there, and that's pretty much where we go. What you do with that recipe is down to you. So, you know, if you're creative in the kitchen, you can make a very nice meal out of that. If you're not, you're eating grilled chicken and and boiled rice and and some spinach and tough shit. Get on with it. 
Um, I'm very much small changes. I micromanage rather than big sweeping changes. So I like small increases. I, I tend to start most clients in a very similar format, and then I use that to assess them, um, to assess their weaknesses and to assess uh, their strengths. So I start pretty much everybody, unless they're coming off the back of a competition, on a, um, a keto-style priming diet. Uh, it's very strict, and it's not easy, but I use that to assess their ability to adhere to a diet, how well they can work with a diet, how strict they can be on themselves, uh, and also to increase insulin sensitivity. I'm a, I'm a big fan of managing sensitivity rather than just throwing insulin at the problem. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, let's and, be clear, uh, too, that, that adding insulin in, because I've had people say, like, hey, I think that I'm insensitive to insulin. Should I take insulin? That does not fix your insulin sensitivity. In fact, it'll make it worse, but it's just adding more because you're not responding as well. So you, in, in the yeah. short term, get a better response. I just wanted to throw yeah. that out there. Um. So I'm a big fan of managing, but it's also a way of me assessing, you know, can this person stick to a diet? Do I, and, and then it, from that point, we have an ideal and how far we deviate from that depends on the individual. But obviously, the also depend on the individual is how impacting deviating from that can be. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the calories are increased, you know, periodically, maybe every week, uh, but they may only be a a 200 calorie increase each week and that might maintain for six seven weeks uh depending on where a person is in a growth phase you know once we have natural growth so we know the foundations are working then we can chemically assist it but not before dave i know you're a guy that is um you know you're you're most known for helping people put mass on and, you know, that's kind of your forte. And that's, you know, a lot of people know that who have watched the under construction films. How many people have come to you and say, I want to do what you did? Not as many as you might think. So yeah. I have two clients that actively want to pursue that. Yeah. What one that is. And, and he's gone away from what a lot of people would feel is aesthetic or what a people would feel is a pleasing physique. But for him, that's what he wants. Uh, and he's really happy. And, and, I mean, he is getting to the point now where he is very large. Uh, most people that, that want to do that soon give up on the idea when they experience what it takes. <laughs> I bet, dude. How, yeah. Remind um, us, because I haven't asked you the specifics in a long time. You ate, was it 10 ounces of meat and two cups of rice every hour on the hour during your, your peak? 300 grams of meat, whatever that works out in ounces, I couldn't tell you. Okay. And a, 100 grams dry weight of rice every hour and a half, 10 meals a day, a total of eight kilos of raw food a day. It's a lot of food. 10,000 10, calories clean. And a lot of people didn't think that when I was bulking, I ate clean. I did eat very clean. Yeah. Insanely clean, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a guy. I got this uh, picture here. You'd be very proud of us, Dave. Um, this guy. It, and you know what, man? I'm with you 100% that, you know, I feel like the last thing people want to change is their training. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I got the training down. I just want the diet. 
Uh, but it, it, if you do the same training you've always done and the training is the catalyst for all of this to happen, then you're probably going to get more or less the same result unless you were eating like shit before. So I'm totally mm -hmm. with you. This guy, we've totally changed his training up, but the technique really, you know, to make sure he's mm -hmm. firing the muscles, legs being one of the things we've wanted to grow. And check this out. This is six months progress right here and 50 pounds. Look at the legs. And, and most of that is on the fucking legs, isn't it? Right? Huge <laughs> legs. Yeah. He may be watching right now. He said he was watching undercover. Uh, <laughs> he's at work he, right now. So he yeah. Shout out to Bill. That's massive progress on his legs. And between us, me, you, and everybody on the podcast, he just started a cycle, like literally just started. So we're going to see what happens now. I will uh, very quickly send you somebody, uh, right. seeing we're on the subject of, of progress. Uh, All right. So then we're going to go uh, ra rapid fire after that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's no problem. Um, just now we're on to see. So this, this is... That's that's quite a long process, bear in mind. That is probably two years where I've just sent you. Um, okay, got it. And this is probably, the next two pictures are probably near 14 months. Same guy, just okay. from back to front. Um, I got the back picture up right now. So this is yeah. the two-year. Look at those arms. I mean, I know he's posing his arms a little bit different, but you can see major mass in the arhams, major mass through the lats. Rhomboids, traps, legs, everything is looking better. Glutes. How much what's the what's the weight difference here? I haven't got a clue. No? Here's We we bulk, we bulked him up to one ten and then we spent sort of half of lock back half of lockdown and now just recomping. So that was fourteen months ago. And that is now. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I can't see his legs, but I'm sure they're bigger. You know, I can't see his legs. Uh, yeah, he's he genetically, his legs are, are a, a, a unusual shape. His legs remind me actually of Ian Harrison's. Does he train really hard too? Is he a hard, yeah, hard he, lifter? He does. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And we spent time on technique, a lot of time on technique, a lot of time on, Perfect. on you know, learning how to to, to stimulate the muscle effectively. And I, you know, he gets carried away and sometimes he needs pulling back and like, no, you know, suddenly back down, get back into this. Um, but yeah, it is, it is an area that I think it's the area that nobody discusses. And I go on about this all the time. And it's actually the area that to me can make the biggest impact on a physique. Yeah. Oh, the uh, next get one. That right. And you can't help but fucking grow. The next one we have is a comment versus a question he's larry brooks he says sometimes i sit back and think about how dave's incredible camera and audio quality his audio quality is actually pretty good uh would not have been possible if it were not for the generous team over at my protein that's fostering greatness bless bless up gents <laughs> you know what i actually threw the box away today because i finally thought you know what whether they want it or not they're not fucking getting it back <laughs> <laughs> all right what do we got here and like i said we, we got some in audio sponsored by my protein on the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right. Uh, questions for the next podcast. Thoughts on Accutane dosage, cycle length, and if you have personal experience with it, um, is it better to run Accutane during a blast or cruise? Uh, do you think running Accutane with oral steroids is a very bad idea? Thank you. Um, I have a lot of experience with this one. How about you, Dave? I have no personal Um you're probably the better one on this um, because you've actually used it yourself, so you you can speak from the heart on it. Okay, I'm going to speak from the heart on this one, guys. Let's cue up some <laughs> violins. I'll be real quick, actually, because we have talked about this before, and we do have a bunch of questions. Um, it, you know, if you can run it through a doctor, I think that that is your best suggest. You know, the best suggestion to do with this particular drug because this is an incredibly harsh drug. It's really hard on your cholesterol profile. It says right in the leaflet that um, it can cause injuries, so you have to be careful with exercise. I actually hurt my back really bad while I was on running Accutane. It'll dry all your connective tissue out, so you got to be careful with that. Um, at the same time, they're going to prescribe it to you at a really high dose, like 80, 100 milligrams. And I think that you can get by with less. The key with Accutane is, you know, you got to you got to sit through the initial phase as it's firing up, pushing oil out of the sebaceous glands. But eventually those sebaceous glands are going to dry out and they'll permanently be altered. My sebaceous glands were permanently altered. Like my skin doesn't get as oily as it used to. Weirdly, a weird side effect I got is my earwax got dry and flaky instead of being like normal earwax consistency. And it's still like that to this day, a decade later. Um, it does work really well, but it is it is a highly toxic drug. Uh, but you have to sit through that phase of getting even more oil production. And after that, it dries it out. And then you have to let it stay dried out, keep pushing it and pushing it. It's going to be usually a, a few month process to get through that. If the doctor's prescribing you 80 or 100, you might be able to get away with a little bit less. Now, I used it underground um i had some prescription stuff that i found i had some research stuff that i was using um i think i used 40 milligrams every other day uh i think i started at 20 built it to 40 went to every other day then i went to 40 every day then i went to 60 every day and i only did 60 every day for like a month then i backed it down to 40. I, the whole all in total um i used it for probably about three months uh, I, I didn't have a, like a, a prescribed laid it out plan. I just built it up starting every other day, then increasing the dose, then going to every other day, then backing it down to kind of maintain at an every other day fashion. And then I came off of it. Did you have any mental health issues while using it? You know what? I didn't, but I've known people that have. I had an ex-girlfriend when we were like 19, she used it and she had already suffered from depressive episodes and she had gotten more depression from it. I can't really remember back. It doesn't stand out to me that I did. Um, I did avoid oral steroids. It's very harsh in the liver. If you are using this through your doctor, you're supposed to get tested every month to make sure that your liver's in check and it will get pushed out of range. They just need to make sure that it's within an acceptable place. Uh, so I would definitely not use it with any oral steroids. In fact, if you are running oral steroids and you go to get prescribed, they probably won't prescribe it to you because they'll already see what they perceive as being liver damage. Yeah, it's I know there was a point when it got under it was under review 
within the UK as a prescription med because of the number of actual suicides that were associated yeah. with its use. It's a it's a side effect listed on there. Suicide, yeah. you know, depression. Those things are listed under there. Also, too, for uh, females, it's really dangerous because it can it can, you're supposed to be on two forms of birth control as a female. We have this thing called the I Pledge uh, program, and you get an actual card that you when you get your prescription you're supposed to go i don't know if they're still following it but you go and you get your card scanned and you can only pick it up within a certain period of time like a 10-day window and if you miss that window you can't get it for the month and you have to verify that you had lab work it's it's a pain in the ass but but it's such a dangerous drug i still suggest using a, a doctor to, to to run it so they can check you yeah the other thing that i was a bit curious about on the actual question was whether to use it in the blast or a cruise phase well you would use it when you fucking needed it well it's a permanent fix so if you if you say tend to get bad acne when you go on cycle you could use it while you're off cycle so that it'll permanently change the amount of oil your sebaceous gland puts out so that in future cycles you don't get breakouts that's the way it's supposed to be I mean, okay. for us, that's like, that's not, that's not what your doctor would tell you, you know, but anyway, I'll move on here. Question for the next episode. Hey, Scott and Dave and a few podcasts, uh, you guys mentioned using P5P as prolactin control, uh, and that it affects its effect is much greater. Uh, if you start using it prior to taking Nandrolone. Uh, what is the minimum time prior to cycle that you recommend taking P5P? On that note, Dave also mentioned his estrogen control using a mix of aromacin, proviron, and Novodex on cycle. Um, what is your opinion on using Nova on cycle? Do you recommend, uh, do you even recommend is for uh, uh a moderate cycle of 400 milligrams test and 400 milligrams MPP per week. So let's start with the P5P. I'd say about two weeks. Two weeks? All right. Yeah. What kind of dose? 500. Dude, if you get away with taking that instead of using, you know, like Kaber, you'd be so much better off, right? Yeah, I've, I, I can't give you any hard facts, but what I have seen is a, is a definite trend within bloods that when people start with P5B or B6, uh, prior to to doing their cycle, they have a much better prolactin management within the cycle than those that have started once their prolactin is already elevated. Okay. Uh, I, in fact, I've seen a few cases where it's not been particularly effective at bringing prolactin down once it's already elevated. Yeah. But um, it seems to be much, much more effective uh, when started prior. But I'd say about two weeks. Two weeks seems to be long enough to get it in, for right. it to get in the system. Um, and the good thing about P5P or, or B6 is that it doesn't seem to to push it too low. Okay. So yeah. it doesn't seem to have this mechanism where you can you can over drive it down, whereas Caber will literally crash it if you take too much. I use a uh, hundred milligrams, I believe, every night for sleep. Oh, B6. Yeah, yeah, P5P. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it it's. Um, it's in a lot of sleep formulas as well, isn't it? Is uh, for that that exact reason. That's where I learned about it. For, now, for that with, purpose. with regards to the um, multi approach to estrogen management, 
that's not quite how I approach it. So I tend to put Novadix in off stat until I've tested and I see where their estrogen levels are. Depending on the cycle would depend on whether I'd put an AI in alongside that. Um, so if somebody has an, a, a known sensitivity to estrogen and they're running above 400 mega test, I would probably run a low AI and Novadex to start. Uh, estrogen size, i.e. water retention being the main one, isn't really a problem because you can address that. But obviously, gyno is much more impacting once it's occurred in, in dealing with it. Yeah. Um, which is why I have that safety blanket of Novadex. Um, and then once we're into the cycle for at least four or five weeks, then I'll test estrogen and then set management based on what current protocol is and, and where they currently are. Uh, in some cases, if somebody's 2400 mega tests and they're particularly resilient to estrogen, it may just be that I keep the Novadix in as a safeguard throughout the cycle and just leave it at that and don't put any other estrogen management in. Um, so it's not a straight estrogen is high, it needs to be lowered. It's estrogen is high. How is the person coping with it? What are the side effects to decide whether we look at bringing it down or not? And, yeah. and where they're looking to be. You know, they're bulking. I'll let estrogen run higher. If they're dieting, I'll drive estrogen lower. All right. Here's a question we've talked about before, so we can uh, make this one brief. Um, Laser, a.k.a. Cool Dude, says, uh, interested to hear about compounds other than MK677 that can be helpful to increase appetite. Um, there's GHRP6. Mm -hmm. Some people report EQ. Though I, I don't yeah, find that. I find that to be pretty even 50-50 split. Okay. Um for as many people that report EQ as increasing appetite, I see the same reports of EQ diminishing appetite. Huh. You ever hear the growth hormone increases appetite? Because I don't know if that's, if it's somebody's, because I hear some people tell me like, oh man, I just see it feels so much better now that I'm taking the growth. I can sleep better. I'm hungry all the time. And I'm like, I don't know mm -hmm. if that's really true or if they're just getting a, you know, a placebo from it. No, I think there is a mild impact there. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, all right, MK works through Grenlin, uh, GHRP6 doesn't. So GHRP6 is, is, is slightly different in the way it stimulates growth hormone release. But, yeah, no, I would say there is, there is an element of appetite associated with GH, though I don't think it's particularly pronounced. What, what about um, ketotyphen? It's not something I'm particularly experienced with. So years ago, I don't see it being popular anymore. Guys would, uh, they would have it on, on source lists, an antihistamine similar to Benadryl, from what I understand. I think it works on the same H1 receptor. I'm, don't quote me on that part. But it, it's used to increase the sensitivity, insensitivity, excuse me, let me try talking, increase the sensitivity of Clen or keep it from diminishing. And I remember hearing people reporting that it was beneficial for uh, increasing appetite as well. But it makes you real drowsy, too, so you take it before bed. Hmm. Um, not, not one I'm particularly familiar with, to be honest. Um, I find most people have a reduction in appetite off an oral. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and most people, if they've got high liver enzymes, will will suffer from um, an appetite reduction as well. So even though there, there's there's two things you can look you can look at compounds to increase appetite, but you can also look at managing what you're doing so you don't diminish appetite. And that this the completely different approaches, but quite often people's problem with progress on on cycle is not so much that they need more appetite it's that their appetite is diminished because of the drugs and how they're taking them or what they're taking yeah uh but i also think appetite can be managed as well uh and i think that's the importance of small changes over large changes and over correct food choices yes i was going to say the same thing you'll know as yeah, I mean, you you know as well as I do. How many how many times have you had clients message you say, "Oh, I had a cheat meal yesterday, or I had a day off diet yesterday, and I'm I'm just I've got no appetite today." Yeah, or even things like you know, you know things shit. that will change your your the way that you you know like your things that will change like your blood sugar. You know, I mm. I find that um, people who are drinking more protein shakes can sometimes get a blunted appetite that are drinking like, like eating real sweet foods and trying to doctor mm. their stuff up with artificial sweeteners. Um, the types of carbs that you use, you got to listen to your body, you know, and I, I experiment with my clients and, you know, we'll say like, pay attention to how hungry you are after meal two and three. And, you know, you, if you lower the fats, that's another way, you know, eating very clean, high carb foods with, you know, clean proteins, low fats. That, that's a one way ticket to me to increase hunger is, is reducing the fats. Definitely. I mean, I've cleaned my diet up this last week or so. Um and my diet wasn't particularly bad. It was just more it was convenient because I've been busy. I've just been grabbing stuff where and when I can. Right, right. And I've gone back to a much more structured diet. And my appetite has gone through the fucking roof. I'm having to really watch because I could comfortably demolish double the food I'm currently eating. And right. yeah, I'm eating more actual calories than I was when yeah. I was just grabbing shit here and there. Ooh. Um, Nick Wary. He's literally like a professional eater. He's a competitive eater. He says there are uh, things like certain antihistamines uh, or uh, like certain uh, that can otherwise that can decrease satiety. He says uh, also certain techniques can increase stomach capacity to decrease mechanoreceptor satiety signals. But diet choices and lower body fat are probably the best way. Which is, mm. I, I think that's true, man. The leaner you are, the hungrier you get, right? Mm. But yeah, I mean, I've, I said just by switching to a, a cleaner, yeah, yeah, almost double the volume of food I was eating. I'm still fucking ravenous. <laughs> but the reality is that takes a lot more work than just finding a magic pill. I've never found the magic pill, man. Appetite's been an issue for me. If I don't stay on top of the diet and increase cardio helps, right? AM fasted, yes, man, I'm much cardio. more hungry. Yeah. Insulin sensitivity management helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I've never had a problem with eating, but that doesn't mean I've never had a problem with appetite. Yeah. Um, and the amount of times people have said to me, oh, well, it's easy for you, you big lad, you've got a big appetite. No, when yeah. I was pushing high calories, I was force feeding a huge amount of food. It wasn't, I had no appetite. I didn't ever get hungry. I just forced it in. And it, I, had, I did have the ability to just switch off and force it in whether I wanted it or not. But not everybody has that, or not everybody has no, that for long periods, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, 
you know, one of one of when we talk about genetics for growth, it's an area that people actually don't consider, but the actual capability to eat boring fucking food at huge quantities day in, day out is is part of becoming one of those superly large individuals. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um this is from Vincent Ford. Vincent Ford's been a longtime follower of uh, the podcasts we do. I think he just joined the group recently, and I think he may have posted this question uh, in the live feed as well. He says, question for Scott and Dave, can TB500 be used to strengthen weakened tendons? If so, how should I use? I tore my quad tendon four months ago. Doctor said it was tendonitis, so I ordered TB500, but it looks a lot more likely that I tore the tendon. So hopefully healed, but super weak. Feeling super strong everywhere else, but I can barely body weight squat with this weak knee. Thanks in advance, Vinny. So as Vinny is actually in the live feed, Vinny, what? Why are you saying it's weak? What's stopping you from squatting body weight? Is it pain? Is it physical inability to move? TB500, um, from what I understand, I is more of a... Oh, sorry, I thought you were... Soft tissue. Wait, well, it, I would say... To, go on. It, it's more of an anti-inflammant. It's not a tissue builder. Yeah. I would have said TB is more suited to, to soft tissue recovery rather than tendon recovery, and I would go BPC. Well, yeah. I mean, I would still put, I would still put tendon in a soft tissue... Yeah, but I mean in more muscular tissue rather than ligament and, and tendon. So I see I it would, as... I would go BPC. I would too. I would too. Because I, I see that the BPC would actually promote recovery versus the TB would be just to help with inflammation, which in itself does help with recovery if you can control yeah. inflammation. But. Um, I, they're a good pairing. Um, and I definitely see benefits from using the two together but if you had to pick one i'd pick bpc for tendon over tb every day me too and i would also add growth hormone and i would add collagen to that mm -hmm. but we'll to, uh, i'm just curious as to good hmm? i was just curious as to what because i don't really find people have weak tendons because hmm. you don't move load with tendon you move load with your leg with your muscle yeah. Your tendon just attaches it. So I'm suspecting that what he's meaning is he, he has pain that prevents him from, from doing bodyweight squats. Well, wait, he's watching. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what he has to say. But yeah, collagen would be something I would definitely suggest. About 30 grams a day. I'm using our sponsor's collagen since I tore my shoulder. Uh, TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK for some additional savings. You can get... Um, hydrolyzed beef collagen from them there's that covers type one and three there's also type two collagen undenatured type two collagen also known as uc2 dave uh, but those are the building blocks so you need those things in order to let these drugs help you so i would definitely get in there what does he say here he says yep mainly pain as soon as i go um, parallel also, i get pain above oh. the knee and struggle to push back up uh, out of the hole. So both would, because the pain could as much be down to inflammation as it could be anything else. Yeah. The other question, though, that um, people seem to miss on these situations is, 
Now, if this is specifically a tear in this place, then fair enough, there's an injury. But if it is tendonitis, why have you got tendonitis? Hmm. What are you doing that's irritating that tendon to the point where it's inflaming? Do you have overly tight quads or do you have overly tight hamstrings that's causing an imbalance in the leg function? So true. Though it, it's you, you need to treat the symptoms, you also need to investigate the cause. I mean, if it was an incident, a specific incident that caused an injury, then, then that's fine. That's self-explanatory. But if it's not, then I would also be asking, right, why am I getting this problem? Because even though you may reduce the inflammation and reduce the pain, if it's a, a situation that's there, it's only going to come back. So um, it would also be a case of looking at what the cause is as well behind it and addressing that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you there. I'm going to see what else we have in the live feed here, and we can try to plug through these. Um, question about Clomid and HCG for fertility purposes. I think he said, uh, oh, he's got a, kind of like a little follow-up. Does Clomid still increase FSH and LH still work while on TRT? No. No? Well, to a, to a point. So... It does, but it's not. So we 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 have a HPTA, yeah, uh, and Clomid will block off feedback into the uh, pituitaries to allow the continuation of FSH and LH production, which is why it's used in PCT. The problem is that that is then negated at the testes by inhibins. So Clomid's not particularly good at increasing fertility whilst on TRT. However, HCG is, because HCG increases intertesticular testosterone, which will then in turn stimulate the uh, serotonin cells to produce sperm. So, um, the signaling process doesn't work particularly effectively while on TRT, but HCG does. Hmm. Does that make sense? I like that word inhibins. Inhibins, yeah. There's localized inhibins within the testes. I imagine like a little so man you, that would live in Yorkshire. People, people focus on the, the feedback loop, so pituitary and, and hypothalamus feedback, which is what Novodex and and Clomid are used to block. Uh, but there is actually a localized feedback loop um, based around inhibitors within the testes that prevents an increase in testicular function from FSH and LH when on exogenous levels of testosterone. However, HCG will allow ITT to, to elevate within the testes, and that will in turn stimulate the serotonin cells which are stimulated by not only fsh but also stimulated by testosterone which is why you can get people pregnant on cycle yay good lad keep it firmly there <laughs> you like that right you need to move it slightly no 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 i mean in position so up a little bit up a little bit up a little bit right there no that's perfect up a little bit <laughs> up a little bit perfect leave it there just keep it there the whole that's time. That's it. That's wonderful, mate. Yeah, just leave it there. No, no, you've ruined it now. <laughs> I found that for you here. Actually, Victoria found it at her house here. 
I'll use that at the beginning of each episode and I'll be like, and coming to us from Yorkshire today, Dave Crossland. Dave, welcome to the show. Please, please don't. If you're not going to pronounce the place I live correctly, then just don't say it at all. I did. I got it right. No, you didn't. I've been practicing. It's Yorkshire. Hello, gents. Hi, Christmas cabbage. I missed you. So happy you're back. Yeah, this is so this is William. He says covered up at work, just signing in to say what's up. He's the guy who gained the 50 pounds I showed you. Apparently, this is not um, work friendly content. (laughs) Well, I suppose technically you're not supposed to be watching anything on Facebook or YouTube if you're at work. Are you? You're supposed to be working. True. All right. Listen, we had a couple more questions, um, but, uh, you know, oh, science and technology. Yes, we should probably cut it here. I'm sensing that uh, the force is leaving us. I'm sensing a little lag happening. So this is we should go out on a high note. We've got the cabbage. The the feed is actually still working. Uh, You know, this is a good place to to quit. What do you think, Dave? Yes, because your Internet is really bad. My internet, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like to leave a lot from guys like him got with pure hard work, dedication, and faith. Me, I had a little, uh, I had a little technology behind me, and I learned a lot from guys like him. Technology. Uh, Brandon is an incredibly wise individual, as his last name. Is it wise or is it Brandon Wise? Yes. Dave yeah. from Yorkshire with his Yorkshire tea made with Yorkshire water. I like that. That's nice. Nice. So it's Dave from Yorkshire with his Yorkshire tea made from Yorkshire water. I'm sorry you can't read, Scott. But That's exactly what I said. It's exactly no, it's what I said. It's word for word. what you said. <laughs> Guys, we appreciate you watching. I didn't mention it at the beginning. Uh, if you're watching the YouTube, we appreciate you guys being here. Uh, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button so that you can keep up to date with everything that we have coming out. Dave and I will be back next week, as always. Oh, dude, your picture cleared up perfectly right at the end. This is like I said. Let's go out on a high note, real quick, real quick. It always does. <laughs> Dave, it's been a pleasure as always, my friend. You too, sir. Go to crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave there. See you guys.